Welcome to episode 213 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about August 2022, FBI corruption confirmed. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and see discussions about the FBI, inflation, the destructive nature of Biden's policies, the changing of definitions of words, COVID vaccine, or the Second Amendment come up, please share the TruthQuest podcast with your friends. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever topics pique their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. As the title of this episode suggests, August 2022 will be remembered as the month it was confirmed that the FBI and the Department of Justice are nothing more than criminal organizations. They are nothing more than the enforcement arm of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. Given their actions during the month and the revelations about their past actions, one can no longer arrive at any other conclusion other than the agency is nothing more than a modern-day Gestapo working exclusively for the Dems. It is the continuation of an ongoing theme for the Democrats. Since they cannot win the hearts and minds of the American people through honest debate about their policies, they must lie, cheat, and steal in order to maintain power and tear down their most formidable opponents. It's what authoritarians have been doing since the beginning of time. As a frame of reference, consider some of the FBI's greatest hits just from the last couple of years. They were heavily involved on January 6th. They had assets on the ground provoking people to enter the Capitol. Groups like the Proud Boys and other favorite punching bags of the Dems are comprised of FBI assets. It's not much of a stretch to wonder that if the FBI wasn't involved in the leadership of these supposed white supremacy groups, would there be any such groups in the United States? Do you remember the multi-year molestation of the U.S. women's gymnastics team? Those crimes were hidden by the FBI for years because the agent in charge wanted to land a security gig with the Olympic team. FBI higher-ups were aware of the agent's malfeasance and did nothing. What about the plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Whitmer? During the trial, it became clear that this was an FBI entrapment case as they looked to find pro-Trump right-wing bad guys, i.e. militia members, to point their fingers at in order to justify their domestic terrorism legislation. Oh, and I almost forgot. What about the concerned parents at school board meetings over the America-hating, self-hating CRT curriculum last year? They were labeled domestic terrorists by the DOJ. And we had multiple incidents of FBI employing their usual intimidation techniques by attending and surveilling subsequent meetings. Clearly, the FBI has lost their way. This isn't the first time, as any of you familiar with the J. Edgar Hoover reign of terror would know. In August, a dozen or more FBI whistleblowers came forward to expose what many of us already knew. Remember how whistleblowers 
were always heralded as celebrities when they came out against Trump. Remember how most of the time they were lying, but it didn't matter because the narrative was already in the headlines and the alphabet soup conspiracy media would simply parrot the talking points over and over and over again. In contrast, these whistleblowers were not celebrated at all. As a matter of fact, they better secure their ticket to Russia soon so they can join Edward Snowden in exile because the feds will come after them like they have done to the trespassers of January 6th. As I walk you through the rest of this, consider the silence of the average Democratic voter and the excuse-making by the alphabet soup conspiracy media. If any of what I'm about to share with you has happened under Trump's watch against Hillary or against any other prominent Democrat, they would all be going batshit crazy. But since it's their team perpetrating the illegalities, they are A-OK. One last thing before I dive in. Never forget this. When the government investigates a person looking for a crime, they are violating several constitutional protections, natural law, and basic law enforcement protocols and ethics. Law enforcement investigates crimes looking for the people who perpetrated them. They don't investigate people looking for crimes. That's what you call a witch hunt, which is then followed by a show trial. The first story demonstrating that the FBI is nothing more than the Gestapo for the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party was the revelation by these whistleblowers about how the Hunter Biden laptop investigation was purposely slow-walked. It turns out that a corrupt special agent labeled large portions of the content of the laptop as disinformation, which then placed that information in restricted folders away from the investigating agents. In other words, that special agent obstructed justice, right? He obstructed an ongoing investigation. Seems like the definition. As you likely know, the story of the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop was censored by big tech at the behest of the FBI, no less. More on that in a minute. And the alphabet soup conspiracy media ignored the story leading up to the election. Despite the fact that the laptop's content has been available all over the internet well before the election, the FBI ignored it. And now we know why and how. Instead of doing their job and protecting the nation from the Democratic nominee for president and his son, both of whom were thoroughly compromised by both Russian and Chinese actors, they did the bidding of the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party and covered it up. If that revelation wasn't enough, then came the raid on Donald Trump's Merrill Largo home by the FBI over documents that he, like every other president, took with him once he exited office. The FBI got a local magistrate, get this, a former lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein, to sign off on the warrant. You can't make this shit up. What were they looking for? Classified documents, or so they said, because the National Archives wanted them right away. Raiding the home of the former president. Man, that must be a serious offense for such a serious response by the FBI. Hmm, not, not so much. There's really no difference in that raid than the ones on Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, George Papadopoulos, Rudy Giuliani, and the 13 other current and former Trump advisors, including lawyers. Pure, unadulterated abuse of power and intimidation. So what do you need to know about this Mar-a-Lago raid? Well, most importantly, 
Decades ago, when Bill Clinton was sued for some of his presidential documents after leaving office, a federal court found in favor of Clinton, ruling that the president has sole discretion to classify and what to declassify. Secondly, Trump claims that all the documents in his possession were declassified. Therefore, by definition, they are. Take it up with the federal court if you don't like it. Thirdly, Obama has yet to turn over all of his documents, and he spent $30 million thwarting Freedom of Information Act requests by Judicial Watch to get some of his documents. Strangely enough, there were no FBI boots through his Martha's Vineyard mansion doors. I wonder why. Fourth, using the James Comey Hillary Clinton standard, we can assume that since no reasonable prosecutor would indict Hillary Clinton, who illegally possessed classified documents and maintained an illegal email server in her basement, we can assume that that same standard will apply to President Donald J. Trump, who legally possessed both classified and marked classified documents. I mean, if they did not issue a search warrant for Hillary's residence after her obvious and egregious flaunting of national security, why do it to Trump? I think you know the answer. And finally, the more we learn about the actual search warrant, the more it looks like a general warrant, like those issued by King George in the colonial era, which basically allowed British soldiers to pilfer colonists' homes looking for nothing in particular. It's one of the primary reasons the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution was added. All of this is just a continuation of the political persecution and prosecution and legal intimidation that the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, have been perpetrating against their most powerful opponent. They did it with the hoax Russia collusion investigation, which was another FBI fabrication. They continued with two impeachments, and now they are coming after him, hoping to take him out of the running for the presidency in 2024. When your enemies use federal law enforcement, the rule of law does not exist. The law is whatever they say it is. After all, who's going to stop them? How is the current Department of Justice any different from a tin-pot dictator in some third-world country? Mark my words, they will indict Trump in the coming months on some new trumped-up charge like obstruction of justice or some shit like that. They will hold the trial in D.C. where the entire circuit court is comprised of Democrat activist judges and the jury pool is comprised of 95% Democratic voters. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. Bring them to the Capitol for the kangaroo court. At the end of the day, the FBI was likely looking for crossfire hurricane documents that implicate the agency in the Russia collusion hoax investigation. The theory being, once they are in federal possession, they cannot be disclosed to the public. You know, because they're part of an ongoing investigation. And, or, maybe it has something to do with Trump's RICO suit against Hillary Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, and former FBI officials such as former Director James Comey, former Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, former Agent Peter Strzok, and former FBI lawyer Lisa Page. See, there are a lot of angles to this story that the alphabet soup conspiracy media conveniently leave out in their Trump is the devil narrative. In addition to the 18 and counting members of Trump's former administrative and advisor staff that have been raided by the FBI, the Gestapo's latest tactic is to deny Trump's Sixth Amendment right to counsel by intimidating and threatening law firms he solicits. The Constitution means nothing to these people. It's a mere speed bump in their pursuit of power and control, 
and the destruction of anything resembling an opposition. Want some more FBI intimidation from August? House Freedom Caucus Chairman Scott Perryman had his cell phone seized by the FBI the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid. The FBI made no attempt to contact Perry's lawyer, as would be normal, who could have made arrangements to submit the phone, if needed, to the agency. The most likely reason for the seizure was to extract lists of donors, conversations, strategies, and other election-related information contained within it, given his position as the Freedom Caucus chair. The final bit of evidence I will submit to you confirming the corruption of the FBI and the DOJ, proving they are nothing more than a criminal organization working for the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party, is their ongoing involvement in online censorship. The evidence of the direct involvement of the FBI and DOJ and the White House in issuing orders to big tech social media platforms of who and what to censor started pouring out during the month. There is no way for them to deny it anymore. Please understand that when the federal government colludes with a private company to do something that they cannot do constitutionally, like censor free speech, the federal government is guilty of violating the First Amendment. Keep that in mind as I walk you through the tsunami of news on this front. Let's start with Mark Zuckerberg's appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience, where he admitted that the FBI told Facebook to censor Hunter Biden's laptop story in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. That was just the tip of the iceberg when it came to evidence of First Amendment violations perpetrated by the federal government via collusion with big tech. Here are a sample of headlines from August. CDC met with big tech officials in bid to tackle COVID-19 misinformation, emails show. Twitter's tricky timing problem. Lawsuit reveals back channel with CDC to coordinate censorship. According to a Thursday release of information by GOP Attorneys General Eric Schmidt of Missouri and Jeff Landry of Louisiana, Newly released internal emails from Facebook and Twitter show an extensive effort to coordinate with Biden administration to censor users. And finally, this from Alex Berenson's Substack. He also appeared on Joe Rogan's show this month. Here's the title of his, his most recent article. The White House privately demanded Twitter ban me for months before the company did so. If you want some real insight into just how incestuous the feds are regarding online censorship, I encourage you to listen to Alex's appearance on Rogan. He just recently won a lawsuit against Twitter to get his account reestablished after about a year. He's in the process right now of disclosing all the information he got from Twitter during his discovery phase of his lawsuit. It is glorious. You got to check out his Substack too. Last month, one of the most pathetic stories was the gaslighting perpetrated by every prominent Democrat in Washington as they repeatedly told the American people that we were not in a recession despite the fact that we were, indeed, in one. They claimed that the decades-long definition of two consecutive quarters of negative GDP did not apply to Biden's economy. Instead, we were told that a recession is really a broad-based economic slowdown, leading me to, throughout the month, post select headlines on my Facebook page and ask my friends if any of them qualified as a broad-based economic slowdown. Here's a sample. Walmart announced last week that they were struggling to sell stuff other than food because their customers are broke. Amazon set to eliminate 100,000 jobs in one quarter. Credit card balances jumped 13%, highest leap in over 20 years as inflation outpaces wage growth. Misery index has risen to the highest rates since September 2011. 
Marsh Shipping Group forecasts weak shipping demand as warehouses fill with unsold durable goods. U.S. labor productivity suffers biggest crash ever recorded. Labor costs soar, most since 1982. Inflation costing the average American $717 a month. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon warns of something worse than hard recession. Target profits drop 90% in second quarter as inflation changes consumer purchasing. U.S. services PMI collapsed in early August. And finally, U.S. manufacturing also slowed more than expected. Sounds like a recession to me. And just like that, it was over. Yep, during the month of August, the CDC declared that COVID was over. After all the online censorship, the lies and denials, the gaslighting, the name-calling, the character assassination, after forcing millions of people to take an experimental vaccine without informed consent, after all the deaths and adverse reactions to the vaccine, after ignoring all the deaths and vaccine adverse reactions, after all the failed businesses and the lost jobs due to the unconstitutional lockdowns, after ignoring all the failed businesses and lost jobs due to the unconstitutional lockdowns, after demonizing the unvaccinated and repeatedly calling this a pandemic of the unvaccinated, despite the fact that the vaccinated were passing the virus to others with the same or higher prevalence, after all the doctors and pharmacists that either lost their license or were threatened for prescribing safe and effective treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, after preferring to let people die from COVID rather than have them take these safe and effective treatments, after all the drug abuse, mental illness, suicides, deaths, children's educational and development delays due to the unconstitutional lockdowns, after ignoring the drug abuse, mental illness, suicides, deaths, children's education and developmental delays due to the unconstitutional lockdowns, after all the broken relationships, the family split over the fraudulent vaccine, after all the missed holiday celebrations, the missed funerals, the missed baptisms, the missed weddings, communions, bat mitzvahs, after all the crimes against humanity perpetrated by the federal government around COVID, they decided it was over. Just like that. New CDC guidance was issued in August that reads, Those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Students may stay in class after being exposed to the virus. It's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. No symptoms, no problem. Vaccinated or unvaccinated, same guidance. Exposed, no need to quarantine. Students exposed, stay in class. Just like that, it was over. The CDC was very busy in August. In addition to declaring the pandemic over and washing their hands of their crimes against humanity, they admitted that they were wrong about a huge safety problem with the mRNA vaccine by silently deleting text from a FAQ about the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. Here's the two bullet points that were conveniently deleted from this FAQ. It used to read, the mRNA and spike protein do not last long in the body. And right below that, you got two bullet points. Our cells break down mRNA from the vaccine and get rid of it within a few days after vaccination. Bullet point two. Scientists estimate that the spike protein, like other proteins our body creates, may stay in the body up to a few weeks. They deleted that. 
because they don't know what happens to the spike protein. Oopsie. I guess we're just shit out of luck with the spike protein running roughshod through our bodies, doing Lord knows what since there were no clinical trials, making this the largest vaccine trial in the history of the world. The CDC's response is, hey, our bad. We'll do better next time. I have a better idea. Defund the EPA, the CDC, the NIH, and all the other three-letter federal health agencies that completely failed the American people during COVID in favor of Big Pharma's agenda of making billions of dollars on an experimental vaccine at the expense of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of lives that could have been saved if they would have promoted safe and effective therapeutics instead of forcing the vaccine down people's throats or into their arms. None of the functions served by these agencies are listed in the Constitution. Therefore, there should be no federal agencies performing those functions. With price inflation rates at 40-year highs due to the unprecedented levels of money supply expansion, what did the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, do during the month? They passed a bill to increase the money supply even more. They laughably called it the Inflation Reduction Act because they know their voters' attention span is that of a gnat, and the alphabet soup conspiracy media will repeat the name over and over again while never asking what is actually in the bill. Can the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, be more in your face than to name a bill the opposite of its effect? In addition to printing more money in the middle of a 40-year high price inflation, the bill is a declaration of war against the middle class and capitalism by weaponizing the IRS, and it also weaponizes the EPA. Regarding the IRS, the bill adds 87,000 new employees to the IRS's current 74,000 employees in order to audit the middle class, specifically small businesses and independent contractors. The woman put in charge of hiring this Democratic army was one of the six agents working with Lois Lerner back when they targeted the Tea Party and Jewish organizations back during Obama's term. You may recall the IRS was forced to pay damages to many of those people who were politically persecuted. Then these six employees of the IRS refused to turn over their computer records that were subpoenaed, saying they were lost. They weren't. They destroyed them. Mark my words. In addition to going after small business and independent contractors, this new army of IRS agents will pursue a policy of politically motivated audits. They will pursue anyone critical of the regime. I mean, why not? Who's going to stop them? Regarding the weaponization of the EPA, you may recall that back in June, the Supreme Court kicked the EPA in the nuts in a lawsuit brought by the state of West Virginia, where the EPA was trying to regulate carbon dioxide emissions. I wish the court would have declared the entire EPA unconstitutional, but instead, they kicked it back saying Congress never granted them the power in the Clean Air Act of 1970, I think it was. So what did the Inflation Reduction Act do? Granted them the power to regulate carbon dioxide. So you can expect energy prices to continue to skyrocket as the EPA tries to kill the use of fossil fuels, all in the name of saving the planet. Speaking of saving the planet, there's been a lot of fringe talk lately about eating bugs. Yeah, I said eating bugs. Because you see, now that the radicals are in control, they not only want to stop the use of fossil fuels, like driving cars and whatnot, which of course is responsible for more prosperity worldwide than any single effect other than maybe capitalism. They want us to stop eating meat too because cows fart, 
which releases methane into the atmosphere, which is going to destroy the planet, you know. Oh, and we need to stop farming so much land because the amount of nitrogen consumed as fertilizer and all the fossil fuels used in the farm equipment, which of course is harmful to the planet. So we must, we must cut down on how much farming we do. So what the hell are we supposed to eat? Bugs, of course. At least that's what the United Nations and the World Economic Forum is offering as an alternative to real food. Keep an eye on this story going forward. And in the meantime, if you're curious, do a DuckDuckGo search. Um, put in the words, Eat Bugs Canada. And then put another one in that says, uh, with the words, Nicole Kidman, Eat Bugs Commercial. That'll get you going. And while you're at it, check out the United Nations Agenda 2030, which proposes a 30% cut of land from farm production. Research what has been going on in Sri Lanka and the Netherlands this summer to get a sneak peek into the future of what happens when you attempt to take 30% of the farmland offline. I will end this episode with two feel-good stories. I feel like I owe it to you after all this, shall we call it, challenging news that I've covered. Two of the least likable people in America lost their jobs in August. First, Congresswoman Liz Cheney lost her primary bid by some 30-plus points. This woman is consumed by her hate for Trump. I swear, if she would turn some of that energy and focus on something productive, she may actually have something worthy to offer the world. Instead, she thought it'd be a good idea to be one of the two GOP sellout members of the sham January 6th committee, where she repeatedly shows her ass to the world on a regular basis. And finally, Mr. Potato Head, Brian Stelter, had his show canceled on CNN, and no one noticed. Kind of like the proverbial tree falling in the woods. And that's the truth about August 2022. FBI corruption confirmed. <laughs>